This video is brought to you by Incogni. Today, Imran Khan is jailed again. Israeli ministers attend a conference calling for a voluntary migration of Palestinians, and the UK government wins a vote in the House of Lords on its Rwanda plan. From TLDR News, this is your daily briefing for Tuesday the 30th of January 2024. Pakistan's former Prime Minister Imran Khan has been sentenced to 10 years in prison by a Pakistani special court for leaking state secrets. It's Khan's second conviction in recent months and means he'll remain behind bars during next week's parliamentary vote, which will lead to the nomination of a new Prime Minister. Khan's party, the PTI, said he was found guilty of leaking the contents of a secret cable sent by Pakistan's ambassador in Washington to the government in Islamabad. The party has said it will challenge the court's decision, which Khan's lawyer has called illegal. One of Khan's aides also said his legal team wasn't given the chance to represent him or cross-examine witnesses, and the proceedings were carried out in jail, where Khan is already serving a three-year prison sentence for corruption. It's the latest blow to Khan's political career, which has been derailed by dozens of cases since he was removed from power by a vote of no confidence in 2022. Khan claims that Pakistan's military was colluding with the US government to destroy the PTI and prevent him from running for office again, but the US and Pakistan deny the allegations. Khan, who is a former star cricketer and was widely seen as Pakistan's most popular leader, was barred from competing in the February elections by the country's electoral commission, which has also banned the PTI from using its cricket bat logo, forcing multiple PTI candidates to stand as independents. Some are even on the run or hiding underground to avoid arrest, while others have defected to rival parties. This crackdown on Khan's PTI has led some analysts to believe that the vote has been rigged through so-called election engineering. Followers of Pakistani politics say the country has a long history of electoral manipulation, ever since the government of the Pakistan People's Party in 1990 was dismissed by the Pakistani president at the time. The PPP then lost to an alliance led by current candidate Nawaz Sharif, who was previously Pakistan's longest-serving prime minister having held three non-consecutive terms. In 2012, however, the Pakistan Supreme Court described the 1990 vote as rigged. Right now, it's looking like next week's election will go in favour of Sharif's PML party, with his daughter Maryam expected to take a senior role in government if his party wins. There's more on the way, but be sure to subscribe and ring the bell to make the daily briefing part of your daily routine, or just search for us on your podcast app to listen along. In a move against last week's ICJ ruling, Israeli ministers attended a conference on Sunday night calling for voluntary migration of Palestinians and the settlement of Israelis in Gaza. The Victory of Israel conference, Settlement Brings Security, hosted speeches by far-right ultranationalist ministers of Netanyahu's cabinet, including the National Security Minister Itmar Ben-Gavir and the Finance Minister Betzalel Smotrich. Both called for the building of Jewish-Israeli settlements in the Gaza Strip, contradicting Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who said a few weeks ago that Israel had no plans to do so. The International Court of Justice ruled last week that Israel should take all measures in its power to prevent acts of genocide and punish genocidal rhetoric. Ben Gavir said, We must encourage voluntary migration on the basis of historic justice. 
He also reiterated his support for the death penalty for terrorist offences. Smotrich reflected on his opposition to the Oslo Accords and the expulsion from Gush Katif and northern Samaria. The event drew criticism from Israel's most important ally, the US, and from other members of government. The leader of the opposition, Yair Lapid, said Netanyahu's coalition government, elected in 2022, had reached a new low for their carelessness and undermining of potential negotiations. A senior US official has attacked Netanyahu for his lack of leadership for not preventing the conference. A senior French official also had similar criticisms. Moving to the UK now, and after months of debate in the House of Commons, the Rwanda bill is now making its way through the House of Lords, with it being debated and voted on yesterday. This is the plan that was introduced under the Boris Johnson government to send asylum seekers to Rwanda while they have their claims processed. If approved, they would be resettled in the African nation rather than the UK. The plan was found to be unlawful by the Supreme Court, as the Rwandan legal system wasn't seen as robust enough to be able to accurately assess asylum claims. Sunak's new plan is to effectively tell courts that Rwanda is indeed safe enough for this. It's a plan that has attracted a lot of controversy, both from the centre of his party, who think that the bill goes too far, and from the right of his party, who thinks that the bill doesn't go far enough. The bill has attracted similar controversy in its passage through the Lords, with the Liberal Democrats attempting to insert an amendment into the bill which would effectively kill it. This was actually backed by the Archbishop of Canterbury. As things stand, the bill has passed the first stage of the House of Lords with 206 votes in favour and 84 votes against, although some peers have indicated that they will try and strip out key powers as the bill progresses. Staying in the UK, we're going to have a look at Northern Ireland and the return of power sharing in government. To understand this though, we need to explain what the power sharing government actually is. Following a troubled and often violent history, the Northern Irish Parliament, known as Stormont, has a unique constitutional setup whereby, in order for it to function, it must contain representatives from both the nationalist community and the unionist community. In principle, this is so that both communities have a vested interest in the system. However, in reality, it also means that either party can effectively block government from functioning by refusing to join. For the past two years, this is exactly what the Democratic Unionist Party, or DUP, have done, in protest at post-Brexit trade agreements, which the party says undermines Northern Ireland's place in the United Kingdom. The boycott has left Northern Ireland's politics in stasis and public services struggling. This week, though, the DUP's leader, Sir Geoffrey Donaldson, claimed that he had agreed new legislation with the UK government that would remove checks on goods moving within the UK and remaining in Northern Ireland, and end Northern Ireland blindly following EU laws. He added that, I believe that what we've been able to achieve delivers a good outcome for Northern Ireland, because there have been wins to strengthen the union. I believe that there is now a route to have the devolved government restored. Now, finally, the war in Gaza has divided people across the world and had catastrophic humanitarian consequences. But a region once devastated by war and genocide is now showing the world that a path to peace is possible. In Bosnia and Herzegovina, Jews and Muslims gathered in the town of Srebrenica to jointly observe International Holocaust Remembrance Day and sign a peace initiative between Jews and Muslims. The town of Srebrenica witnessed the genocide of more than 8,000 Muslims in 1995 during the Yugoslav War. 
The gathering promoted the message that the two communities, which have faced persecution, must stay united in their commitment to peace. The initiative was described as an open field and call to all well-meaning people, especially Muslims and Jews, to stop what is happening in Gaza. One of the witnesses to the signing and president of a Bosnian human rights organization said this is a message to the world and to Europe to protect innocent human lives and not to differentiate between people. Now, while you've been watching this video, you might not realize that shady forces are working in the background to collect personal data from various sites and bundle it all together, ready to sell on to a third party. Now, these data brokers can sell this bundle of information about you to anyone from a company to an online criminal. Now, while you might assume that you're safe online, perhaps you change your password regularly, or perhaps you're a hawk and always uncheck that little box that signs you up to annoying newsletters. Unfortunately, this doesn't completely save you. Companies that hold your data can still fall victim to a data breach, meaning that these data brokers can still compile information about you to sell on to others. Now, this is where our sponsor Incogni comes in. They reach out to these data brokers on your behalf, request that your data is removed, and deal with any problems that might arrive. In fact, they're tenacious and will put in multiple data removal requests even after your data's been removed to make sure that it doesn't go back on the market. So create an account with our link in the description, grant Incogni the ability to work on your behalf and sit back as they make you safer. Plus, by using our link, you'll get an exclusive 60% off an annual Incogni plan. Thanks for checking it out and thanks for Incogni for sponsoring this video.